This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the Be Here Now Network, and I'm very excited today to have my very special guest, Mirabai Bush. Mirabai, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. I wanted to um, begin, as I always do, briefly just by reading Mirabai's bio for anyone who may be unfamiliar with her very, very important and impressive work. Um, Mirabai Bush is Senior Fellow and founding director of the Center for Contemplative Mind and Society, a nonprofit organization that encourages contemplative awareness in American life to cultivate a more just, compassionate, sustainable society. She has led trainings for corporations from Hearst to Google, where she was a key developer of Search Inside Yourself. She has developed contemplative programs for journalists, lawyers, judges, higher education faculty, environmental leaders, social justice activists, students, and the Army. Mirabai was a co-founder of SEVA Foundation, an international public health organization. She is co-author with Ram Das of Compassion in Action, Setting Out on the Path of Service, and the upcoming Walking Each Other Home, Conversations on Loving and Dying. She is co-author with Daniel Barbazat. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, that's right. Great. Of Contemplative Practices in Higher Education, Powerful Methods to Transform Teaching and Learning. She leads contemplative practices on the CD, uh, working with mindfulness. She lives in Western Massachusetts with her husband, an amazing cook, if I do say so myself. And uh, her website, no worries about that phone. Um, her website is mirabybush.com, spelled M as in Mary, I-R-A, B as in Barbara, A-I, B as in Barbara, U-S-H.com, or you can also learn more at contemplativemind.org. So Mirabai, thank you so much again for taking the time to be here today. Thanks for asking me. I'm really happy to be in conversation with you. I love conversation with you. Oh, the feeling is more than mutual. So... <laughs> For those who don't know, obviously, which is anyone listening, Mirabai and I um, connected about roughly five minutes before this call, and we're just very briefly catching up. Um, and this uh, this is going to be a very organic podcast today. Usually, I'll at least get a couple of talking points prepared. Today, I intentionally did not. Um, and it's interesting to me because uh, if anyone to, were to be on the show today... Um, 
to discuss what personally I'm going through, uh, it, no better person than Mirabai and my book. Um, so that said, uh, just a quick background of what Mirabai and I were discussing is that, um, and I'm sure many of you listening know uh, about my dear friend, Kate Bartolotta. She was a beloved writer in the spiritual and well-being community. Um, she passed away uh, this past Saturday, the 14th, roughly 2.30 a.m. in the morning after a um, a long battle with cancer. She was in remission for uh, over two years. Um, she, she was the author of her last book, Choose Joy, and um, I'm actually... I can picture, oh, heart, not heart, maybe heart medicine. I'm picturing the cover of her first book and it's, I'm drawing a blank. Um, I apologize. As I was telling Mirabai, this whole weekend was very out of body and surreal to me. Today's the first day uh, I'm feeling some semblance of grounding back in my body, but it was very troubling news. Um, she had gone into the hospital a little over a month ago. Basically, she got the flu, which turned into pneumonia and then sepsis. And so she was unconscious and intubated. Cancer was not even mentioned at that point. Um, she came out of her coma two days, roughly two days before her birthday, and they started physical therapy. She even left the hospital um, and then returned a couple of days later because she started to feel ill again, and they wanted to be overly cautious given her history with breast cancer. And um, she was there for the last few weeks, and again... Um, very, uh, very abruptly, um, or shockingly, I, I'm having trouble putting the right words to it, but, uh, many of us, basically all of us, all of her, be her friends woke up to find out that our beloved friend, Kate, had passed away in the wee hours of Saturday morning. So, you know, that said, Mirabai, um, I, I'm going to be having you back on the show later in the fall, because as we mentioned in your bio, You've completed um, a book that I had the very fortunate honor of reading already with Ram Dass, his final book called Walking Each Other Home, Conversations on Loving and Dying, a tremendous read. So we'll talk more about that book when closer to when it's published um, by Sounds True this fall. But, um, you know, I figured this, what better place to start, you know, than, than this discussion of, of death and um, the uncertainty of life and and uh, how precious it really is. So um, I've rambled a bit. And, and again, you know, I feel a little uh, still, still out of out of sorts. Um, but yeah, with all that said, you know, you're no stranger to the experience of death. You, I know you've lost many beloved people in your life. And um, so I guess maybe to, to, as a talking point to start out, like I said, aside from myself, there are many people right now hurting and regardless, not just Kate, many, many, many people die on a daily basis. So anyone who's listening to this who has recently lost a loved one and is grieving, you know, there's obviously the stages of grief and whatnot, but what? how do you process the loss of a loved one? Is it different case by case, or is there words of, I don't like to ask for advice, but is there any wisdom you care to share in regards to this? Well, first of all, as I said before, I'm so sorry for you and for those of you who are listening who are Kate's friends. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, you know, after writing the whole book with Ramdas and thinking through all these different aspects of dying and writing about it and, uh, and planning our own 
deaths, not like when we're going to die, but what we want to happen after we die. And just talking about it a lot, all of that. um, So it's really present for me. And of course, in the writing of it, I went through a lot and let go of a lot of my own fears about dying. But just at the end of just as we were finishing it, a close friend of both of ours died, Bokara Legendre. And um, we were teaching together at the winter retreat um, with Jack Cornfield, who was also close to her. And so we talked to her on the phone just before she died. But she died, and, you know, I, I was certainly... You know, in that altered, the first level of altered state that you're in now for a while. Um, And after a while, I began to realize there was what what I lost, along with herself and her friendship and her her wisdom and her humor, was she called out or she related to or awakened a place in me that was different from who I was with all my other friends. And it wasn't like it was secrets I kept from my friends, but there was just a way in which I was with her and something that was touched in me by her that just doesn't happen anymore because she's not there. There's a, there's that, you know, there's a a loss of, of um, just an intimacy. It's different with each of our, close friends and I saw that for the first time with her and I saw that's there's a loneliness not just for her but for me you know? yeah. um, and uh, so that was very touching to me and also for all three of us for Jack and Ram Dass and me that the sadness that arose just because you know you've written a book about dying or you've taught about it for X number of years the sadness still arises, sure. you know, and um, and there's still layers of grief that you have to go through um, when one of us dies. Yeah. And the other, a balancing, not balancing, but uh, another piece is that our teacher, named Gurli Baba Maharaji, he said, nobody dies a moment before or after they're supposed to. So, I mean, if you have that understanding of multiple lifetimes or karma that, you know, we're here to do certain things in each lifetime. And when we finish what we've chosen to do or can effectively do this time, then it's time to go. And Ram Dass would say, you know, it's like finishing the curriculum in the fourth grade. And then it's time to go on to the next grade. But you have to die and come back in order to do that. Now, not everybody subscribes to multiple lives. But um, even without that, I think that we can appreciate that there is a way in which you can look at a life as a whole and completed story and that within that and and when you look when someone dies young especially when you look back at it somehow the earlier parts of their life have a different meaning than they did when you were going through them when you thought that she had this long time ahead of her yeah you know so uh 
you know, it's the great mystery. It's no, no matter how many friends die and no matter how much, how close you get to it yourself. Um, it's the mystery. We never know. We don't know what it is like to die. And, but the, the holding of the reality of death throughout our life is one of, is one of the, uh, one of the, um, truths that gives meaning to our life although i have to say working in silicon valley there are people who don't believe that (laughs) there are now (laughs) there are now lots of people who are working on disrupting death and extending life (laughs) yes yes i can imagine and uh and and some people will say to them what why do you want to you know why do you want to end death because death is what gives meaning to life um because this is a precious short time we have here. Mm. So make best use of it. But, um, you know, not everybody believes that. (laughs) So I just want to put that out because that's becoming, and I spend time out there because of the time I spend at Google and there they've got a whole, I don't know what it business within the business at looking at disrupting death, you know? Mm. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, what I like about that is that it makes you makes you recognize that you know how how you think about death. It's it's all relative to you know who we are and how we've been conditioned and what we know, uh, and that nobody really knows. Uh, but we can get one of the great gifts of our friends dying before us. Is that we learn something? We get close to it in a, in a way. It's like you're, you know, you're almost touching it in those days, hours, and days after it happens. That's the closest we get. That's why Ramdas and I included a bunch of stories of people uh, he loved who died. You know, yeah. uh, Aldous Huxley and Tim Leary and his parents, and uh, because we both agreed that that's one of the best ways we learned about our own death and what the implications of that are. So all beautifully said, um, and I too, I personally do subscribe to what you were saying, you know, in regards to the teachings from Maharaji, of course. And, and I've always, not always, but as far back as I can remember, I am a believer in when our time is up, our time is up. And like you'd said, as he said, not a moment before or after. Now that said, I also found myself that morning. Um, I rarely scroll Facebook these days. Um, I usually will make a post and if someone comments, I'll reply or I'll check messages, but I'm pretty busy and I don't really scroll. And I just remember, so I, it was Saturday morning and I was at my girlfriend's and I turned my computer on and the first thing I saw when I went to Facebook, I didn't even scroll, was a post that her brother and father had made to her page um, with the notification of her transition. Um, and my girlfriend was in the middle. She was sitting. She she loves doing puzzles. And she was sitting. I was sitting on the floor kind of diagonal to her. And she was sitting at her little puzzle table working on a puzzle. And she was in the middle of saying something funny to me. And I was listening. And then that popped up. And she continued talking and I was reading this oh. and that's when the out of body thing started. It was like yeah. my body actually literally, literally started to shake and yeah. 
the tears started to well up and I, I had to reread it. It was just a short paragraph, but like three times because I'm like, no, that, no, no, that that can't be right. And she was sitting there and she's like, are you okay? Are you, are you even listening to me? What's going on? And, and I, I couldn't even open my mouth. And so she walked over and I was, I was just like a, a ball of tears and, um, and she read and, and just think about it right now, I can, you know, this is probably the first time I haven't cried talking about it since Saturday. And I, I think, you know, just when you think the tears are all welled up and gone, sure enough, they come back. Um, but she read it and, uh, and she never had the fortune of meeting Kate. Um, but even, you know, she, she knew of Kate and, um, and just reading, you know, anybody can go to her Facebook page and you just read the comments that people are leaving. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyways, I, I'm sharing all this because I remember ha- once I was able to start forming some semblance of, you know, sentences uh, after, you know, I, I don't know how long I was crying for. But I said to her, you know, I this is what makes me question like life, you know, and um and I know Mirabai uh, Star had written about something similar yeah, in Caravan usually. of No yeah. Despair. And, I loved that book. Oh, one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the way, you know, she said even, and, and her raw honesty, like even Maharaji meant shit to me in this moment yes, of losing her yes. daughter. And just her, you know, and and so, yes, like I absolutely, so anyways, I know this is very long-winded. And again, that's I apologize because okay. I'm trying to put it all together with a mind that's out of itself. But I said to my my girlfriend at one point, you know, if the world was full of Kates, you know, because she is one of the most pure, loving, like Mm. infinitely loving, kind, integrity filled human beings. I mean, to her core, she was one of the best, if not, you know, like the best people I've ever known. And so that's where it's like it, it makes me question why. Why, why at such a young age in her early 40s is she taken when w- the world needs people like that? And then my girlfriend, of course, compassionately said, don't forget, too, that today what society might consider bad people are also dying. You know, it all balances out. And, and I appreciated that perspective. And she wasn't trying to be rude. She, you know, yeah. she, she always has a very nice way of helping me see things but for those people that don't necessarily subscribe to that you know like what do you say i i mean because we're i'm in a thread right now on facebook with about maybe six maybe ten people that were very dear friends and we're all just trying to lift each other up and checking in and because none of us have really been sleeping it's just been a lot of crying and oh my god it's a few days later how is this still reality and if i were to say to no a lot of them probably would get it because they are, you know, um, in the spiritual well-being realm. But to say something like that, I'm sure you can imagine that might sound a little cold yes, like, yes. or harsh. <clears throat> yes. So with that being said, for someone in that position where even if maybe they do get it, but like even like myself, like, fine, I understand, but that sucks. You know, like, how do you <laughs> how, how do we bring acceptance for lack of a better word or even just peace or work through it you know what what do you what are your thoughts on that it takes time yeah it takes time yeah. and i think in the process the most important thing is um being honest with yeah. yourself and with your friends you know you can say 
it seems, you know, the way I'm seeing it is this, or it seems to me not, you know, never trying to, which you wouldn't do anyhow, tell them the way it is, you know, but, um, but, uh, knowing that it takes time and it takes a different amount of time for everyone. You can't predict and just being kind to yourself and loving yourself through it. And, uh, and if it like, your mind is all over the place. I'm trying to get this together and be coherent. Yeah. Uh, it's okay not to be coherent <laughs> at this time, you know? And that actually speaking in a, in a kind of fractured way about something that you're fractured about is, a, is usually a more honest way of expressing what you're feeling, sure. you know? Um, and, uh, you know, just know that it takes time. It's something that millions of people have gone through, through the, you know, thousands of years. And it's, each person has to go through it in their own way. It doesn't, because all those people have been through it before, it doesn't make it easier, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, even, like Maharaji said, that you still get, he said, he still gets sad when someone dies. It's just that he also has cultivated this knowing that it's the human part of us that is sad and confused and and questioning and doubting. But um, at then living in your awareness is a knowing that things are unfolding as they should. Yeah. It's at a, a different level. Right. But just knowing that and holding that helps you go through the rest of it, knowing that it's important to go through it. If you don't, you'll repress it and it's going to, you know, emerge in other ways as you know, only too well. Of course. course. So, um, it's hard. It's, It's, you know, it's the hardest, maybe the hardest thing we have to go through as loving human beings. You know, there's, um, and, and sometimes people emerge with fear of loving again, you know, yeah. of opening your heart and being vulnerable and appreciating somebody really deeply sure. uh, because they too will, one or the other of you is going to go away right. first. Right. <laughs> and, um, but really the real uh, response, the most effective response to loss and grief and fear is always love. It's always love, loving yourself and just, you know, allowing your love for her to arise and, and be with it, enjoying it and appreciating it, being grateful for what, you know, what you had with her yeah. and what you still have with her. Yes. Only she's just, I mean, I don't mean to be, you know, frivolous, but she's just not in her body now. Right. But, um, uh, but there continues, and I know this from people I've been close to who've died. They're still with me in different different ways. Yeah. When my mother died, I actually experienced her after a while. I like could see my hands moving like her hands would move, and I could hear myself like kind of saying things and then moving in ways that 
she did, which I never did before. And I wasn't consciously imitating her, trying to be her. Right. And it was just kind of a reminder to me that, you know, she's still here with me right. in a different way. And Kate's here with you so much. Yeah. And especially in these first days, you know, you really can communicate with her now mm. in whatever way feels right. And because, again, we don't know, but almost all the religious and spiritual traditions do say that, um, you know, the, the, the being doesn't leave like that. She doesn't right. leave when her last breath goes. Right. But, you know, there are stages of being here. And there's a closeness in the first, Tibetans would say, 40-some days. And yeah. Others, that you can just really give yourself some, you probably have quiet time to just be with her and thank her for everything and wish her well. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because I... You know, I haven't actually talked about this to anyone, but I I certainly have talked to Kate quite a bit, not verbally, but uh, mentally talked to her um, because I've been experiencing guilt because she was in the hospital right around the corner for me, not even five minutes. And the first time she was there, I was supposed to go see her um, and she had to cancel last minute because of um, her physical therapy was starting uh, at the time I was scheduled to go see her. And then we were trying to find a time for me to go visit um, when she went back. Uh, but between my, my book just coming out a month ago and I'm moving at the end of the month, it was very hard. And, uh, and the weird thing is every single day last week, every day without fail, the thought crossed my mind, you know, text Kate and, and see when you can get together with her. And I never did. But the thought every day, again, it entered my mind. And so I have that that kind of not not survivor guilt, or maybe it is um, not not I guess not specifically, mm -hmm. but, you know, that guilt of I didn't get a chance to say in the physical realm, at least goodbye. Yeah, I know Kate well enough to know that there was no resentment there um, because even prior to her getting sick, we had been even though she lived maybe half an hour away from me, we had spent months trying to get together for coffee. And whether I understand. Was, yeah. <laughs> so whether I was teaching a workshop or she had her kids this weekend or, you know, something inevitably always came up that kept us from getting together. And so it was really, even aside from her being in the hospital, it was just months of trying to get together. And that part, I feel guilt, you know, and uh, like I could have tried a little harder. Um, but I've been, you know, talking to her about that and I, and I feel her presence very much, you know, and I, and I feel like that sense of, um, it's not like I hear her talking back, but it's more of an intuitive, yeah. it's okay. You know, I get yeah. it. Like, I love you and I know you love me. And, um, and I've been thinking a lot about Thich Nhat Hanh's teachings, um, uh -huh. and his, when he lost his mother and how he talks about how you know, the interconnectivity of all things or how all things are interbeing. And on the one hand, I absolutely, whether it sounds cliche or not, I know Kate lives on within my heart and my mind and those that loved her. And then I also think about how Thich Nhat Hanh takes it a step further and talks about how he could see his mother in a flower with the understanding uh -huh. that it's all just, we're all 
all of it is just life lifing you know we're all just manifesting in these temporary different forms but from that one great source whatever name you care to or not call it by but you know there's that one source yeah oh i have to tell you that Please. um you know i i don't know if it was in the book yet when you read it but um at the uh we did this benefit uh for Seva and honored Ram Dass in Maui last year mm. and Joan Baez was part of it and yeah, she, sang a, she sang a Tom Waits song called uh, The Last Leaf on the Tree for Ram Dass mm. it was so cool the, the autumn's taken the rest but it won't take me but um, and then I don't remember the words exactly but it's like he, uh, and if you can I'll always be there and if you can't find me any longer on the tree uh, you'll uh, listen for me and and you'll find me in a song. Mm-hmm. So when you just said it, you know, the ways to find her, you know. Um, so, you know, the, the feeling of guilt, it's good for you to talk about it. And, and of course, if you knew she was, going to die you would have gone to see her of course you would have yes of course and and you didn't and that because you thought there's plenty of time of course you're both young there's plenty of time but um that of course was you know your faith that things were going to go on in a predictable way and part of what she's given you and me through you again is just that as Maharaji said, you can plan for 500 years, but you don't know what's going to happen in the next second. Yeah. And to be able to live knowing that, and at the same time, you know, having a reasonable expectation that we sort of know what's going to happen, so we can make plans and, and publish books and do yeah. things like that. Um, but... You know, it's hard to hold both those things at the same time, and they're both true. And, you know, of course, if you had known, you would have have gone to see her. And so don't question your love. You might question your judgment, but it was certain it was a reasonable judgment at the time. You you probably won't do that again. No. Well, I can (laughs) tell you absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. Well, so thank you for that, and and um, and on behalf of not just myself but all of um, her friends and family that um, are struggling, that I'm sure will will listen to this. Um, you know, I thank you on all of our behalf for for um, sharing your experience and wisdom with us. And so, as I mentioned, we're you know I'm going to be having you back on later this year when the book comes out, but while we're on this topic and since that book is about death and dying, well, first of all, do we know an official publication date yet? So people September four, September four. From yeah. Sounds it's True, on, correct? it's on uh, Amazon already. Oh, it's you already know out how there. they do that. It's yeah. got a fake, uh, uh, book cover. It's not the, right. <laughs> not the, the actual cover uh, yet. Fake yeah. publishing news, but, <laughs> but, uh, but it's coming out on September 1st. You can pre-order if you're really anxious. Excellent. It. Well, I probably will. So, <laughs> but, yeah. And we're going to start doing, um, promotion for yeah. it soon. Yeah. Great. Oh, I look forward to that. And, um, like I said, so we'll have you back on the show. And so I don't want to really get into the book too much so we can spend the next podcast on that. But 
since the book is about death and dying and in relation to what we've discussed already, is was there any major takeaway or epiphany you had during the process of working on that book in regards to death transitioning? Um, and if not, not. But I mean, I from reading it, it I appreciated so greatly your reflections, not just the conversations, but how we got to kind of go inside your mind and what because you and Ram Dass had some very insightful, deep conversations. And then we get to listen to you processing those conversations. So was there anything, any major takeaways that you remember having, having um, mm. from that? Well, as I sort of said already, that um, just talking about it from the first day. That, yeah. I mean, we have been talking about it you know, on and off and as friends for 45 years, you know, and, um, but from the first day that when we said, okay, we're going to do this now. And we sat down and we turned on the recorder, you know, and said, okay, we're going to talk about dying. Uh, it, something changed. And Ram Dass said it did for him also that I started really, uh, I'd say, bringing it close, you know, really letting everything go. And the two of us just paying attention to, you know, death and dying and just really trying to, and because we've been together for so long, we've said almost everything we've ever thought to each other. And so, and of course with Rondas, who, you know, we've all heard speak endlessly. um, We were really trying to, say just what we were thinking and feeling in that very moment and not sort of drop into the things that we always say, you know? And so it was very, uh, it was very condensed and intensified. And, uh, it really took me closer to those places in myself that were, hadn't really looked at it yet and didn't want to look at it and just was kind of, you know, it's easy when you must know this, that when you're teaching, you can sort of fall into, oh, yes, death. Here are the basic truths about death, you know, and and they are true. But there were there were just subtleties around it that I hadn't really looked at and felt. And at, during these conversations that it began to fall away so that, you know, at some point I realized that I don't. I really don't have, I, I really feel much more like, you know, death will be, as Ram Dass would say, a, the next moment. It'll be a moment of dying instead of a moment of us talking to each other. It's just going to be another moment in life. Um, and, ah, I mean, it's amazing that, I mean, who knows what's still there that may arise at any time, especially when a friend dies or when I start to die. But um, it's really different. It's really a lot has lifted. And and then about my own death. And then also, of course, we're talking about Ram Dass's death. And he is 87, just had a birthday. And, um, you know, he's and he's been in a wheelchair and paralyzed on one side for 20 years oh. after a massive stroke. So, I mean, that he's alive now is a miracle. Absolutely. And so he's likely to die soon. We don't know when. Yeah. Um, but 
so of course I was also processing that, you know, and uh, I love him, you know, and so uh, anyhow, we went through it and we went through these very practical things also, which you probably read, like asking him, you know, uh, uh, did he want to be buried or cremated? Where did he want his ashes to go? Who did he want us to call right away when he started dying? Did he want music or silence? You know, yeah. does he want anybody around? All those things. Yeah. Uh, and we went through them one by one. And and they were, we sort of knew the answers to them all already, but still, it's, it made it quite real. Yeah. And then, so then I went away and uh, wrote up that part of the book. And, and then I came back a couple of months later and he said, guess what? I said, what? And he said, his friend Bodhi, who runs this uh, kind of conscious environmental dying center there yeah. in Maui, um, he said, Bodhi's got a permit. He said, we're trying to get a permit for um, a crematorium that had a glass window so you could look through it and see what was happening. But he said, guess what? We got a permit for an outdoor cremation like they do in India. Wow. Yeah. That's what I said. Wow, you did. How, you know, how interesting. And then he said, there's only one other state is Colorado. That Chogun Trungpa was burned on an open fire. But um, he said, yeah, and I'm going to be the first one. And then I was like, Oh, Ramdas, don't do that to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> I thought I had just accepted everything about your dying. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to stand there and watch your body burn. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, and I've been in Benares and watched burning, watched sure. bodies burn, but not Ramdas's, you know. Right. And so he is so happy about it because he feels that that's how Maharaji's body was burned. And, yes. he, uh, and he just loves the idea. And he said, I said, no, <laughs> he said, it'll be sadhana. It'll be spiritual practice for everyone who's there. I said, you bet it will be. <laughs> <laughs> like his last, uh, his last teaching. His yeah. last teaching, exactly. My goodness. Wow. So those are the kinds of things that I learned from. And... And I learned that, you know, how we just don't want to think about or talk about dying in of this course. culture. You know, you'll find yourself, oh, I don't want to bring that person down by telling them about my friend died or the friend will not want to hear it because it's just the way we are in, yeah. in, in the West. And uh, but I really got that, you know, bringing it into life and knowing that the best most important response is honesty and loving, just loving each other. Like, aren't you glad that you and Kate loved each other so much? Yeah. You were there for each other. And we, we don't, you know, we don't want to, you miss being her in the, seeing her in the hospital, but you loved her and she knew it. And like, we want, we want that for each other, for, you know, for everybody we know, you know, we want to we want to have loved them enough <laughs> while they're alive. Right. And um, so really that loving and and the honesty around dying is all part of a kind of vulnerability that opens you up to 
wisdom, really, um, and being ready to die. Yeah. And speaking of which, you know, I've worked with various uh, death and dying meditative practices. Um, Is that something that you've done throughout your your sadhana? I've done some, but I have to say, I think the very practice in insight meditation or even in basic mindfulness practice of letting go. Yes. Yeah. And then the practices of opening the heart, yeah. you know, of loving kindness and loving awareness. It's all about letting go and, yeah. and being in your heart. Yeah. You know, I've done some specific, but I've never sat in a graveyard, you know, right. Yeah. Or any of those, yeah. Yeah. but, um, <laughs> but it is about letting go. Yeah. Letting go, being present, being here now and loving it's all comes back to the same thing. It is a pretty simple recipe. Often yeah. easier said than done, of course, because yeah, life. But um, yeah, yeah yes. that's so well said. So what what are you doing now? You know, you're back home. I know you were um, with uh, KD, Krishna Das, recently um, doing some, some a re- was it a retreat you were doing with him? Or? We were at uh, Shivananda Ashram in the Bahamas, where we both like to go in the winter yeah. <laughs> to do a quick gig. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. I yeah. taught with my friend Gopi Kalio, who's a, from Google, and yeah. who's the person who brought yoga to Google, yeah. which has made a big impact. Um, and uh, I'm, and then we taught Oh, Nina Rao, who um, and I and Saraswati Marcus taught a retreat in Ojai, California, uh, with and Ramdas was skyped in, and Ramesh and I are and with Jai Utal are going to do one uh, in Portland coming up in May. Mm -hmm. And those are part of the uh, they're calling them the Legacy Retreats. Is that yeah? Those are yeah yeah. Yeah, Those are great. Yeah yeah. And then you know I do other things as well um, right so i mean you yeah. and i have talked about that i'm I, I know you do a lot of work as you mentioned silicon valley with google um that gentleman you just um mentioned he wrote that, that, yeah yeah he wrote that wonderful book called search inside yourself oh, yeah. no ming uh, oh that was ming my sorry friend ming wrote search inside yourself but okay. Kopi wrote a great book called from the internet to the internet oh okay gotcha it's good so, huh Yes, and they're yeah. both at Google, though, correct? Those, yeah, they're yeah. all very clever out there. You know that. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. So what's your, um, I know we've talked about it, but for those who are, aren't familiar, what's your experience? You know, you you, I, you teach at such diverse places, which I think is wonderful and speaks volumes to what you have to say. Um, so most of us are familiar with the, you know, quote unquote, spiritual settings. But when you yeah. go into like a Google or Silicon Valley, what what do you find when you go in there to teach? What's your experience? Does it differ? And if so, how? Well, you know, culturally and at, at, at the first level, yeah, it's different in each case. Through the Center of Contemplative Mind, we worked with all these different sectors. We work with lawyers and judges and with academics and with environmentalists. And it's in each case. You know, there's a different language, there's a, a kind of different set of expectations and ways of being and ways of dressing and all of it. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, after doing this for years, working with the army, I worked with ex-gang leaders in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, this really, I really absolutely 
it's all just us. Mm-hmm. It corporate executives. When I first started doing that kind of work, I was I, I worked for ten years in Guatemala uh, with Mayan people mm-hmm. uh, doing village development, and then I started doing this other work and working in in corporations and, uh, and as I said, with with the army or with judges. And I had, I really had been, before that I was an activist, an anti-war activist, and a a civil rights activist. And so I had categories in my head, definitely. And corporate executives, I thought, were really, I mean, sort of real criminals. I I thought they were like the most, unlike me, they were like in another category, right? It turns out, (laughs) you know, everybody, that great practice that I teach a lot, I think you've been there for sometimes of just like me. Yes. Where, um, you know, where we discover together the ways in which uh, we are. As humans, we share so much. We spend a lot of time working on our differences, and that's really important. That's it globally and in this country in particular and um and we've we're on our way to like well god knows where we are as a country right now but i mean many of us have discovered appreciation for diversity of all different kinds but um but it's also true that there are so many ways in which we are just like each other and that we all want to be happy None of us want our friends to die. None of us want to die ourselves. None of us, you know, want, um, we all essentially, you know, want to be loved, want to make a contribution to the world. And uh, by doing these practices with all different kinds of people, you know, sitting together and being together and whatever kinds of practices we were doing, you get to glimpse that place in others where, we all do want the same things. And then it enabled me to recognize the roles that they were playing and the, you know, that, and the conditioning they had, you know, and uh, in ways that uh, surprised me. I mean, (laughs) I, you know, I was pretty, I had a lot of categories before that. And um, so, I mean, maybe you were asking that, um, is there openness and receptivity in these different yeah. places? Yeah. There is. That's the point. If you get to, if you get to an honest enough, simple enough place with people, there's utter receptivity. Everybody, everybody wants to be loved. Right. Everyone wants to let go of their fears. You know, um, and when, and the practices they don't work for everybody. You know, but. Uh, they could, they because of all sorts of conditioning and stuff. But when it happens, people are so grateful. They're so grateful that they can begin to see that there's something more than their manic minds, you know, and their obsessions and their attachments and their, you know, uh, and their fears and their the limitations of their lives where they feel like all they're doing is working and paying the rent and paying their college fees and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've just seen a beautiful, uh, like 
center of every different kind of person. It's pretty great. It's beautiful. It actually makes me think on the complete flip side. Well, the first thought I had was, it reminds me of that story Ram Das tells, I believe it was in Be Here Now, about when he was pulled over by the police officer. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You know, he's just sitting there loving him, like seeing underneath the roles they're both playing, and it's all love. And I, that's one of my favorites. I mean, yeah, they're all great, but that's, a, that's one I'll never forget. But, you know, so on the opposite or polar end of that teaching that you're talking about, I go in three times a month um, to do day workshops with it's a, a youth or young adult mental health and healing facility uh-huh. in Bethlehem, Connecticut. And these are young men and women uh, ages 13 to 20 who are there for uh, a variety of reasons, whether it is addiction issues or eating disorders, self-harm, suicide attempts, depression, anxiety, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. And I find the difficult difficulties I run into there is obviously they're already there at such a young age for a reason. You know, whatever brought them there, their life was unsatisfactory. Yeah. Or again, different, whatever the scenario, but trying to offer these various teachings or practices um, can be tricky because there is a cynicism there or a jadedness. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, and I support that. You know, I, I, I like the Buddha, question everything, essentially. It boils yeah. down to find out for yourself. Um, or Ram yeah. Das, you know, that spiritual path is a highly individualized pro- process. Yeah. Um, so it's just when you talked about the vulnerability, um, I, I couldn't agree more because I find... I'll begin and I will just share very briefly about myself because since it is an inpatient program, um, every time I go, there's some new people. So just a quick nutshell. But even in that nutshell about myself, sharing in a raw and vulnerable way completely for most of the people there, most of the residents, any armor they've already put up, um, not prior to being there, but in that moment, in that I get to teach out of a year which is great. It's a lovely facility, but they have these two yurts. And so we do the workshops there that any armor they'd put up walking into that year over their hearts for the most part is immediately kind of laid aside and it allows them since I'm, they're like, Oh, okay. Since this dude is willing to be so raw about whatever his experience was, I guess I can be too. And that doesn't necessarily mean every person connects with what's shared or every technique or practice I offer. However, at least it opens the conversation up, you know, and it seems like even though it's a different demographic, it seems like in a way you're having a similar experience um, in Silicon where, you know, if you're just coming from a real authentic place and one in the spirit of service, you know, Maharaji's great teaching, love, serve, remember, and of course tell the truth, but that's how I approach it every time. And, you know, I'll say a quick prayer, you know, like, please help me lay myself aside. So your work be done through me. I just want to be a faucet through which your water of wisdom and insight and service flows through, you know, something to that effect. Nice and prayer. Yeah, yeah, you know, the words change, but that's the, that's, you know, the idea behind it. And I find that usually within a minute or two, yes, Chris usually starts out, but whatever it is starts to flow through and and all I can hope for is what needs to be said and heard is said and heard. So I appreciate you saying that. What you think well, about, you I know. want to tell you that I honor that you're working with these young people, especially struggling, but young people, but 
all young people that age are struggling. Of course. Of all the people I teach, all the different groups, um, the, I think the biggest challenge is I, uh, once a year I teach uh, Amherst College offers a, um, a three-day intensive for incoming freshmen. There are 400 of them, and they can choose from five different things, but they have to do one of them. And each year, about 70 out of the 400 choose mindfulness and yoga for three days and they are the hardest of everybody to (laughs) uh to get to a place of openness and vulnerability and um and i know i mean they are coming some there's probably lots of overlap with the kids you're working with but um you know but they've like succeeded right right They, they got into one of the most competitive schools and so on but they are so um, defended and protected and untrusting, you know, <laughs> to have done what they did to get there. And so the idea of being vulnerable or even admitting, you know, that uh, there is anything uh, to let go of, you know, <laughs> um, is, is really hard. And maybe I told you the story before, but it um, there was a great moment when, so the first time I did this, and I did it with a friend of mine, who teaches the yoga and he's really good. And um, so, but the first day, just, I I am used to, you know, I've been teaching for so long. I've, yeah. I'm used to people, like at least some of the people really kind of getting it and loving it, and, you know. Yeah. But these, end of the first day, and I thought, oh my God, <laughs> you know, I've met my match. Yes. <laughs> I cannot do this. Yeah. I should have gotten someone younger. I should have, should have, should have. And right. so I thought about it all during the night, you know. And uh, so then I reworked everything for the next day. And I came in and I decided that it was just too um, uh, too subtle having them watch their breath, you know. Sure. So, um, uh, so I decided I'd have them uh, be mindful of an object. We're almost out of time, aren't we? Oh, we've still got... No, we're fine. Oh, okay. And um, so I gave them each a leaf. And then I I said, okay, now bring your attention to the leaf. And now, you know, as thoughts come into your mind, just let them go and bring it back. And notice the colors and notice the shape and touch it and feel the texture. And we, we went on. And just when you think you've seen everything, look again, you know. And we did that for about 10 minutes, which is a long time, just looking at a leaf. And when it was over, the day before, I kept saying, so, any questions or reflections? Nothing. Not oh, yeah. one hand. Not yep. one hand. <laughs> I so, hear that. <laughs> and, and, you know, after teaching, like, academic, you know, professors, they all want to talk all the time. So it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this day, I just decided I, I won't even ask. We'll just go from one thing to the next. They don't want to talk. Yeah. So we finished. They're holding their leaf. And in the back of of the group there's this one guy who's a football player and he looked like he embodied like the most skeptical resistance to this whole thing and he was only there because he had to do something yeah. he, he raised his hand he said can i say something i said you can say anything you want <laughs> <laughs> so he, he um he said i love my leaf wow and there was this moment with everybody else. You could see like the shoulders drop, you know, and the exhale came, you know. Yeah. And then everybody wanted to talk. 
they all wanted to talk about their leaf and how they felt. And... Mm. <laughs> so beautiful. that that vulnerability, it's really hard to reach yeah. in in young skeptical. Once it opens, so beautiful. It yeah. really is, and it is funny because you're right. I when I'm there, I'm doing multiple sessions. It's not just one long day group session. It's they're about fifty minutes, and um, and that's how we do it. Um, so it's like just when you start to get the conversation going, time's up, and then you know I have a short break in between, and then the next group comes in. Yeah. And, uh, but um. You know, it, the nice thing is, since I do go three times a month, um, and most of the residents that that are there are there for uh, usually a minimum of thirty days, but usually two to three months. You you develop a rapport with them, so yeah, you do get to a place where it gets easier for, uh, for me to get that conversation going. But absolutely, it's so tough because one, I never want to force anyone to do anything, and I make that clear to them, like participation is optional. I ask that you at least yeah. try to pay attention. I see some yeah. people napping. I'm not going to wake them up. You know, it's, it's, it's They're there. Exhausted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, it is nice once that conversation gets going. Um, but sure it is, uh, I I've said this before to, to, to friends. It's that is for me, you know, out of all the places I teach and travel, that is the most, equal parts heartbreaking and heart fulfilling, you know, being of service yeah. at any time, yeah. as I know, you know, is it's our passion is what we're here to do people like you and I, but when I do go into a facility like that and I see particularly with the, the younger women, like 13, 15, 14, 15, 16, whatever, like these very, very deep cuts on their arms, you know, or hearing about yeah. the, the 15 year old boy who had just tried to commit suicide or, you know, it's, it's, um, it's so difficult, but it's also very rewarding in the sense that they, the treatment there, it's unlike any other facility I've ever seen. They have yoga there, actual really uh -huh. talented yoga teachers. They get horse therapy. They get to go out on uh, action adventure, it's called, so like zip lining and water rafting. So I remind them of this fact that you guys have, or girls have, or young men and women, um, have this wonderful opportunity I never had this in any of the treatment centers I went through, and um, and a lot of them seem to get it. You know, they they are given um, farm to table food. Oh, um, they're wow. taught about nutrition. Yeah. yeah, they have a very, it's a very wonderful opportunity for them at such a young age. You know, of course they'd rather be at home or with friends, but you know, I try to tell them if you get it now, you don't have to like me go through this cycle of you know this just this ugliness coming up. I mean, what will be, what will be. And as long as you survive, first and foremost, but then take it and, and learn from it and grow from it, okay, you know, that was part of your your path, your your karma. Um, I don't use those words because, you know, that, yeah. that'll, that, yeah. that will shut them yeah. off. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we have to find yeah. our, our ways around that. But um, anyways, so, I, I mean, people obviously can find more out about where you are and, and teaching again at mirabybush.com. But is there anything specifically that you have coming up you'd like to share with the audience? Well, I, uh, I don't know where you all are, but that's this uh, weekend in Portland is going to be great. It's the 17th to the 20th of May. Um, uh, and yeah, that then after that, I'm. I'm probably going to be doing um, a lot of uh, traveling for the book. 
of course know, but, but we haven't set it all up yet but yeah. so that retreat and then the retreat in december which i think is already sold out with ramdas yeah. so i have um uh left my calendar pretty open this year because of the traveling of course um, uh, and um but i'll keep posting on my website wonderful so before we wrap this up any last thoughts or final words you'd like to leave our listeners with or do you feel good about where we're at i feel good and i just uh i think somehow you've created a great field of energy i can from 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 sensing how you are so comfortable with who you know is listening uh made me feel like i was sitting on that comfy couch right next to you and uh it's been really nice to be with all of you wherever you are Mm. yeah it's been fun for me beautiful and me too i look forward to seeing you in person sooner than later would have been nice if we could have done this together but i know i'll see you sooner than later and uh and i thank you uh again on behalf of myself and um all of those who are struggling right now with the the loss of our dear friend who of course i definitely dedicate this show to the um I don't even want to say the memory because like, yeah, like we said, yeah, she's yeah. still here. Yeah. So I just dedicate it, dedicate to, it to her. To Kate, to yeah. Kate Bartolotta. We dedicated our book to our friend who died as we finished it. Oh, did you? That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just take care of yourself, Chris, and yeah. keep loving yourself. That I, I will do my absolute best. Day, <laughs> different day by day, but yes, of course. Okay, good. So Mirabai, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to having you back on in the fall so we can talk about the book specifically. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.